Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about ministry and vocation here in North Portland. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And today we have a very special guest, a guest that was one of the first people I met here in North Portland when I started. A the guy named The specialist of guests. The specialist of guests. I don't I don't think we can make a hierarchy. Someone's gonna be <laughs> mad. It'll uh, who should it be? Like Jay. He could take it. Right. The hierarchy. If 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 someone has to be like the lowest, who would who would take it the best? I Stephen probably. Actually, Stephen, our guest who we've got now. Okay. Yeah. Our, well, so our least specialist guest. <laughs> last <laughs> no. summer, I'm gonna. Josh was. We were doing a uh, all one celebration, and and he was emceeing it, and and different p- people were coming up to speak. And every person is like, and this is just, this is just one of my best friends this is my favorite, my favorite person people. in North Portland. But then he used that for every single one of us. And it really is like, if everybody <laughs> is special, no one's special. Yeah, I just, yeah. we it, talked yeah, about that see, with Larissa too, because Josh yeah, made fun true. of me again. And I, I was like, it's, it's just like the Incredibles. <laughs> but it goes back to Linda Joe, you know, like Linda Joe said, one of the things that she said, she's one of our first uh, guests that we had on. And she said her parents made all of the kids feel like they were the favorite. So uh, sure. That's, I just want, I have so many favorites. Sure. It's like telling your kids, like, which is your favorite kid? Like speaking of them talking about your kids, I, I don't think we actually said who this is. Uh, Stephen Dilworth, <laughs> youth dynamics. <laughs> He's uh, our kid. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> youth, youth lead, our kid who's slightly, mom, very mom, slightly mom. older than us. Um, I, <laughs> um, so you have been working with youth for a long time. Um, tell us how you got into that. Actually, you know what? Give us oh, yeah. give us your backstory. You've got a Who are you've you got a heck of a story. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing professional youth ministry in some category for 22 years, um, with very little gaps in between. So you um, started when you were 12, right? Started when I was 12. Yeah. No, actually started when I was... Before you were a youth. (laughs) um, It's kind of one of those, like, I became the director of a ministry kind of by accident. Mm. Um, I I was knew I wanted to do ministry and I was studying to do ministry, but I was working with a group up in Olympia, Washington, and we were um, kind of two components. There was a Friday night street outreach um, to teenagers, just relational, and then hanging out with kids for kind of like a club style um, program midweek. And it was is kind of a national organization that oversaw, but uh, there was no director at the time. There was a kind of a taboo fall from grace, which is a horrible phrase. And so it was really just being run by volunteers, and there was a board but it wasn't sustainable. And so the organizational leadership came in and they decided, um, you know, we can't sustain this. So we're closing and packed everything up and left. But there was still this group of volunteers who had relationships with kids on the street, um, kids who were showing up weekly to hang out. And so we kind of became this, like I was 19 and they're like, well, well, we have to keep spending time with these kids. Like we can't just abandon them. And so I took over as a 19 year old running this, black market ministry because we had no covering. We weren't any title. We had no leadership. And I just, I felt like I was supposed to do it. But at the same time, I was like, oh crap, what are we doing? Right. Yeah. So you're, that's you're, how you're I started. Basic, basically still a youth leading a youth organization, unorganized organization 
because there's nobody mm. and there's a need. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. We actually interviewed um, different organizations because I knew I needed a covering. And so we went and we talked to some of the local churches downtown, mm. if we could just be an outreach program of their church. We interviewed um, UGM, Union Gospel Mission, Youth for Christ, um, uh, some organization that was in L.A. doing some street ministry, and we thought, like, we might fit with them. So we actually interviewed, like, eight different groups um, to see who, which is different, right? Usually a ministry interviews, like, right. let's see who we're going to hire or put in this position. Like, we were already doing mm-hmm. stuff, and we're like, uh, somebody needs to claim us. <laughs> uh, will we be accepted? Uh, right. So, so what was happening? Were they turning you down, or were you turning them down, or a mix of both? Trying to find the best fit. I think we were trying to find the best fit, like okay. who, who you know, just philosophically, um, we we fit with the best, and so we did end up. I mean, for, I did eight years with Youth for Christ, and and what drew us to them really was the. The emphasis on the relationships. It wasn't so much about the program or or whatnot. It was just everything was about having teenagers with deep, healthy relationships with people who cared about them. Um, so, man, you know, just to go off a tangent because I can. Yep. Um, that seems to be like the the underlying theme for everything. Like we just we recently talked with Lindsey Jensen, you know, and. Um, uh, a local executive director for a nonprofit, and she's like, "Yeah, it's about relationships." And I think of like Carlos; it's about the, the relationships, and like there's, in uh, it, it comes down to this, this need or this desire not to be like successful, not to build this kind of big youth organization, um, but it's about the impact. It's about the relationships with the the kids. Um, it's about the relationships with the people around us. So. Right. And I just came from coffee with Carlos too. So that kind of ties in. We were just talking about that a little bit. Um, So this summer with, with YD, we offered, um, trying to kind of expand our, our impact in the city and get more kids exposed to some of what we do. And we use a lot of experiential learning and wilderness adventure programs. So through some grant money and different things, we put together a um, six-day river adventure program. So kids would be, like, camping along the river going. And and we had, uh, I think it was 13 kids could go on this. And through scholarship money, all that was going to be completely free. We are going to make kids do a little photo essay just so they put a little bit of work into it about facing fears and trying new things. And But we weren't working directly in a relationship capacity with a group. We just kind of promoted it through the city, um, different networks. We didn't have a single kid. Um, even apply what? for it. And so so this is like I'm completely unsuccessful. An amazing program. The River Adventure Program is probably one of our best, most impactful outdoor adventure time. And, and looking at, you know, with city kids, urban kids, is it the six days? Was it too big, too scary? Um, and I think really the, the issue is, even though we had an amazing program, we weren't trying to fill it through relational connections. We were trying to just market it as this great opportunity. Mm. And so it doesn't matter how good of a program you have. Like, you can be great. You could polish. Be the best. You could, but but if you don't have the relationships connected to your program or your services or your resources, it, it really just doesn't matter. Right, right. So, so yeah, hugely unsuccessful project <laughs> I did this summer. 
Oh, that was this year. That's this year. Like, oh, well, we were coming off the story of you at 19, and I was picturing you as a 19 year old. Uh, no, like this was this, this summer. Like, I think literally oh, we're supposed to be on this trip right now. Like the 22 years of ministry, you know, that yeah. Stephen has learned right. over the years. <laughs> How to that, fail. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So what do you do with that? Like when you put your, your heart and your soul into the best program you've ever done, how do you, um, oh, how do you, man. how do you come off of that emotionally, spiritually? Uh, can I answer that when I figure it out? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. in reality, I mean, it was pretty discouraging and talking with our adventure director cause they were, they were really hyped on the program too. Um, and, and so it is, it's just like, man, put all this work into something, uh, in reality, right, we work in North Portland. This is a somewhat of a hard community to reach. It's fairly diverse. Um, there's there's a lot of segmentation that happens. I don't think I don't mm. want to use the word divided because I don't think it's a divided, but but we are compartmentalized in the relationships we have within the cultures that exist, and so so we're segmented, and and so it's a hard community to try to like, oh, we're going to do something good for the whole community. Mm. And I think we have to just break it down and say, we're going to do something good for this cluster of people or that cluster of people. And, and it's kind of what we failed to do. We just wanted this to like, man, we sure. want, we wanted to fill the trip with people who've never had like city kids who just, they love concrete. They know the city, but have never even been camping before. So it was really this idea of new explorers and, and it's a big push, a lot of grant money out there in this stuff. But, but still, if you don't have the relationships with the kids, it doesn't matter how great of an idea it is. Um, especially for city kids, like you want me to go do something so crazy. Um, and I think if we had the relationship with them to say like, we'll be there with you. Like we know it'll be scary, but let's go do this. Let's face this challenge. Um, and mm. so I think, yeah, how do we deal with it is we, we re reprogram and go at it again. Sure. Sure. Uh, so are you doing, um, new things to try and build new relationships now? Um, doing, we are, I, I still, so one of my, I really believe in collaboration. That's been a lot of my focus with youth dynamics here in Portland is collaborating with, with the churches of North Portland, with all one, with, um, community peace collaborative, which is run by the mayor's office of youth violence prevention, um, parks and rec. And we've been trying to figure out how do we really provide resources on a broad scale, um, and I like that. I believe in it. But at the same time, as we've been helping all of these different groups who have relationships with kids, like we aren't running our own group right now. We don't have 15, 30 kids showing up to one location on a weekly basis. And so so there's that balance of like, would we, would we have deeper impact if we really grabbed our own cluster of kids and just worked with them directly? Um, or, or do we have a, a deeper impact, a, a greater contribution to the community by continuing to work collaboratively and come alongside other groups and just say, how can we strengthen you? You already have relationships with kids. How do we help you? Um, and so that's kind of one of our debates right now that we're in. Do we stay in this heavy collaborative model, um, which I love, yeah. uh, but maybe not finding a lot of success at it yet? Do we just need to stick it out a little bit longer and keep or, or do we f- take a different approach where we really start to just grab kids that identify like I'm a YD kid, and right. so then they're going to go on a YD trip? And those are those are hard hard questions to answer, right? 
Yeah, I mean, if I had a crystal ball, right, and I could <laughs> see right. into the future. If you could see the future, like the if if you focus specifically on quote unquote whitey kids, that might have a massive impact in the future, or or you could just be impacting, you know, twenty when you could have a massive thing, and you you don't really know, right? And it is challenging. I mean, it, I think that 20 or that whatever is still impactful, right? Yeah. One of the things is, I mean, w- one of the realities too is I, I think I suffer from delusions of grandeur, right? I, I definitely know that I have a savior complex, right? And that some of this comes from uh, my own childhood experience, which some of you guys asked about my background. Maybe we get back to that in a little bit. But um, I, I really, like, I want to help everyone. Yeah. I want to reach every kid, every urban kid who's struggling like, and so that, that every, um, mm. makes it hard. And, and so you get that argument someone, well, you're, you know, you're never going to reach all of them. So why try? <laughs> um, and, and the reality, like, I may not change the world, but I can change somebody's world. Mm-hmm. And it's mm. good. And so even it's in good. the 20, like, so maybe we have 20 kids coming to a program, but only one kid gets it, but their world is drastically changed, which impacts like them later when they're married, them having kids like generationally, we don't know the impact. Um, and so I think, I think we have, I think we have to strive to reach many because we want to have that positive impact. But at the same time, we have to be content with the reality. Like maybe we're only changing one kid's world. Right. Well, uh, um, uh, it goes back, I guess, to like our, our role. What's our, our role in, in life, in people's lives? Um, and is it us or is it God kind of working through us? And uh, one of the phrases that I've recently kind of clung to, again, surrounding my recent accident and fall from the mountain and having to having to kind of rely on people or accept love from other people. Um, one of the things I've been sharing with people is I've said, you know, thank you for allowing yourself or allowing God to love me through you. Um, and so I think it's going to that, that savior complex of that. I, I struggle with that as well. I think Steve and you and I are a lot alike in so many ways. Um, Oh, but this idea that I can, oh, I'm going to be Jesus to you. It's like, no, let Jesus be Jesus to you through me, um, where there's this humility that's at play where it, like, we, we let go, actually, of whether we have 20 or one or, you know, we, we, we let those things go because we are just the, ah, the conduit, the mouthpiece. And there's strategy, for sure, in positioning ourselves, you know, to allowing Jesus to to love people through us. Um, right. And I think in, in that idea of measuring success too, um, like we see some kids we work with and we're like, man, I'm really making a difference in this. And one of my, my favorite stories or, or impactful ministry moments looking back, and this was probably about year five into ministry. So I started when I was like, I was 24 or something. And, and we mostly reaching street kids at risk behavior in and out of juvie, whatnot. Um, and, and this new girl started coming to our, our program. Um, and, 
And as we talked, we did different things. Like she was coming to group for probably six to nine months. And I really thought like, man, we're actually making an impact. Like mm. she's, she's on the edge of her seat. She's engaged in the conversation. We're making this. But I also always like, we're a pretty dysfunctional group. And one of the arguments like, if you're going to get healthy, like you can't stay here. You can't constantly be hanging around sure. this group of dysfunctional people. Um, and so all of a sudden, like one day, like she just disappeared and we never, like she stopped coming. We didn't know where she was. And so checking in with some of the other teens, like, Hey, have you seen this person? Blah. Oh yeah. I haven't seen her for a while. And, and so for a couple of years, like my heart was like, man, we lost this kid. Like I thought we were, I thought we were reaching her, but then we lost her. And, and I like that carries heavy. Like I don't. It's not just the kids we reach. Like, I stay up at night over the kids we've missed. Yeah, you lose sleep over that. Um, That's real. And so years later, we're, we're part of this. Um, we're doing the citywide program where we brought in um, positive speakers into every high school in, in Thurston County area. Was, uh, and I'm helping to run sound for this and just get it set up. And, and out of the bleachers comes walking this girl towards me and... You know, it's one of those, like, you look at people, and I've been in the city a lot, and I, so I go around, and I speak at different places, and I'm like, oh, this person's coming to talk to me. I don't know who they are. I'm going to just, I'm going to look down, and, and maybe she's, you know, she's walking to the person behind me, so I look behind me. Nobody's behind me. Like, clearly, <laughs> she's coming up to me. There's this recognition on her face, and I have nothing. So it's <laughs> like, you know, hey, huh. what's up? Right? You know, just not knowing who this person is, because she looked so drastically different. And she was like, you're Steven, you did that, you know, downtown street outreach thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we've been, you know, kind of going in the story. Still nothing. And I'm waiting for her to say something that like, give me some context that I can connect right. you to and, and just nothing. And she finally told me her name and instantly, like, I knew who she was. It was this gal, but she looked healthy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened to you? Um, and so she goes on to tell her story, like, you know, she did connect with it. She knew she needed to clean up her life. She knew she couldn't do it running with all the guys and gals on the streets. Um, and so she went to live with her grandmother, who was engaged in a church, got involved in a church, went on missions trips, really cleaned up her life, did the work for her personal growth as well as spiritual growth. Ended up, she was in uh, pre-med at UW um, on scholarships, right? And so this was, this was this kid that I thought we had lost, right? Pretty unsuccessful, Right. And it turned out like she actually listened to the message, right? Like, hey, you, you know, you need this personal relationship with Jesus and it's going to help you, but you got to make healthy choices, you know, environment. Part. And she listened and applied it. It would have been nice if she gave us a heads up like, hey, by the way, I'm going to go do this. Right. And, things, you know, are, things are great for me. Thank you. No, nothing. Yeah. And it was, <laughs> and it was this, this hugely, like in my mind, like, man, that's, that's a huge win, right? So did, did we change the world? No, but her world was changed because we walked alongside of her for six to nine months mm. in a challenging time of her life, gave her the encouragement to, to make some healthy choices. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, there, there are countless, you know, stories or lives that we come across that probably end the same way that we don't actually, we don't get the epilogue to their life. Um, where we continue to lose sleep over like, oh, I wonder, you know, about that person or, or on the flip side, there's going to be people that we walk 
through year after year and they end up committing suicide or, you know, yeah. so we, we had during the same time, there was another guy that was in our group and everybody saw him like he was student leader type. Mm. He brought the most kids People kind of started talking about him. Maybe was he became an adult, got his life like he could possibly go into ministry and and kind of do this role, very influent, whatnot. Um, and never, never got. He ended up uh, arrested on manslaughter, doing time, like just this mm. series of really destructive things. Um, and at the time, everybody's like, "Oh." this person's going to be, you know, he's the one getting it. He's passionate about it. And so we had these, like, you know, you go back, you know, this is 15 years ago or whatever at this point, right? And in that moment, we would have had two different stories if all we knew was those moments. Yeah, or hindsight. uh, Here's here's something to think about. We're called to love everybody and maybe, you know, to love all – you know, equally or with some kind of equality. Hindsight, had you known, you know now what you know, going back, how would you have loved her and how would you have loved him? Um, you know, knowing the outcome, would you have cast him aside and would you have invested more time into her life? Um, Probably, but then I may have screwed up her life more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, right. Um, and so we're not given that. All we're given is just kind of that command and that call to just to go love and to give of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it almost in ministry seems kind of like a crapshoot. Like, do uh, some people will really take hold of the message you bring and they'll, uh, they'll mm. become better people and then some will fall off the rails and you have no idea who or how. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a very reflective person. You two are a lot more strategic minded than I am. I, I think I, I'm, I'm a much more like reflective type of person, but I, I, I just, I never know what to make of it. When, when that kind of thing happens, I, I think, what could I have done? Anything? I think I did the best thing at yeah. the time, <laughs> but but I don't know. I've got uh, I've got some youth that are doing amazing and some that are doing terribly. I've got some people at church who've made uh, bad decisions yeah. and some who've really taken like God's taken hold of them. And I don't know how much I had to do with any of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. That's the hard part of being in leadership, right? We 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 own it. And a lot of it is because we do care, right? Like yeah. So, yeah. so we're engaged, we're emotionally invested, but I do think it reaches unhealthy points because it, like, could I have done anything? Is this yeah. me? Like, their decision's reflective of what I did. Uh-huh. Like, if I had one more follow-up phone call, if I would have reached out yeah. one more time, if I would have said that one thing, um, and, and we... You know, it's one of the constant pieces that are like, we are not God, right? And right. and we have to keep this ego check of like, wow, like, could I have changed this kid's life, kept him from, you know, and there's reality, we want it so bad, but we can't like kidnap and hogtie him and drag him out of there. Like, you know, like we're not. Right. They're people with brains and minds and the ability to make choices. And so maybe yeah. I, you know. Maybe I, I said everything right. I did absolutely everything I could, and it still wasn't like my best. Yeah. 
um, and not just my best and sucking at it, but like maybe like the perfect strategic plan. Like nobody in the whole world could have done anything better. And they still fail because they make their choices. And, and so this is where I think, you know, Josh and I have had this conversation a lot about faithfulness, right? What is success? Is, is, it, is, it the, is success in the results or is success in the faithfulness to do yeah, what we're called to sure. do? And, and I'm wired to care about young people. And so I enter their world and I care about them. Right. I'm faithful to what I believe the Spirit's leading me to, and therefore I am successful, regardless of having zero kids sign up for the last really cool yeah. river program. Well, I, I was just thinking about this. I volunteer at a rehab place. It's not the right word, but I'm just going to say rehab place. And I... And it's it's faith based, and I I teach the Bible there. And every once in a while, someone will tell a story, 50, 60, 70 year old person, about how something they heard when they were twenty from like a Christian leader is like now helping them through their um, their rehab and through some of the emotional stuff they're going through. They got into you know drugs and legal trouble between those times. So sometimes we lose them, but God may still use, you know, the crap yeah. that we say 50 years down the road. I mean, it's, it's not unthinkable. We'll never see it. Right. <laughs> we'll never know we about it. sometimes we get to know and sometimes we don't. I actually, I keep a file in my, my desk. Um, and it's, it's just notes from, because every once in a while you do get that story of the kid that comes back yeah. years later, or they write a note or they face some new tragedy and like, man, hey, what you said at that one. And like, you don't even remember saying some of the stuff right. that they come back and like, that was so impactful to me. And you're like, sweet. Or sometimes um, you're confident that you didn't say it and they just, they twisted what you said, but you're like, right? they well, interpreted everything in a, turned out great. So whatever, believe what you want. Yeah. So they interpreted it in a way that was still meaningful to them. And so, so I kind of keep this file because the days that I want to quit, right? Yeah. Like I, I think most people who've been in ministry any length of time, like has typed their resignation, yeah. you know, and just like, man, it's just, I'm so tired. We're not having impact. Nobody's supporting. It's all on my own. It's this. Like, what does it matter? And and so we're just ready to to call it a day. And so when I'm when I'm on the edge, um, I just kind of pull that file out and I kind of read through it. And it's just like, okay, may not be saving the world, but I'm 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 changing the world for at least a few people. Um and it kind of gives me a little bit of that courage to stick at it um when I'm I just feel like I'm banging my head against the wall. That's good. Yeah, hope, it gives us hope. Um, hope is incredibly powerful. Um, I think it's a huge, a huge, even just looking at, just as a social construct, even kind of removing it from faith, giving people hope, um, gives people kind of purpose. I kind of wrestling a little bit with this idea. I I I believe in my in my heart that we can get to a, to a point in our relationship with God where we we don't need those stories. Um, I think this is like an ideal where like okay we go through kind of a season of brokenness and a complete surrender where we are completely okay with with ourselves and we are completely disconnected with 
with results. Um, saying like, I can just give of myself over and over and over again completely. And I have this ideal in my head too with self care. Like I, I'm like, I don't, I don't think we, we need as much self care. Or I, I think there's a place that we can get to where we don't actually, you know, need to, uh, to pamper ourselves or, or to, to take care of ourselves. Because if we're at a point in our, our relationship with God, then he's completely kind of filling us up. Um, but then I, I wonder, and that like, that's some far off ideal that like I, I press towards, but I'm like, I ain't there. And I don't know anybody who really is there. And we even look at Jesus life, you know, like, and he definitely had, he had times where he had to get away. And there are times where I think he beat him. He, he probably beat his head against the wall a few times with his disciples, even and saying like, you guys don't get it. You know, like I've, I've said this over and over again and you're, you're not getting it. And I'm sure there's frustration for even, you know, for him. Um, but he, like, he probably held on to those times, those stories, those lives that were impacted. Um, you know, that he, that, it, his life did make a difference for, and um, I, I don't know. I maybe there's something that we're we're wired for again that we um, that helps us to you know kind of af- affirm us, um, you know, in in that direction that we're going. And um, so, yeah, those are those are good things to hang on to yeah. and to remind. I was, ourselves I was talking of. about hope though the other day, and somebody mentioned this is like you guys might be more literary geniuses than I am, but they're about well, Pandora's box and hope was actually the last curse to come out of Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. That, I, I know nothing about Pandora's box. So that, this is news like to me. kind of this idea of hope can also like it can motivate us, but also can it just like string us along and constantly right, lead right. us to a life yeah, of yeah. despair? Cause you're, yeah. you're always just hoping for something. You're chasing something, you know, like, like sometimes the ministry like, oh, you know, it's tough, but if we could just get there. Yep. Like this, like, well, where is there? There's this, this mystical place of having arrived that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> I've told my kids, I'm like, hey, we're never going to get there. What do you mean? Well, when we're there, then we're here, you know? Right. And like, what are you talking about? And my poor six-year-old, her brain is just going flip-flops over that. But You're such an annoying dad. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, Stephen, you and I were having this conversation yesterday, you know, just about... Um, some of your frustrations, you know, with some, you know, organizational leadership that you're connected with. And, um, uh, and, and we see this, that was well done by the way, very vague. (laughs) We see this in the, (laughs) we see this in the church and, and organizations, you see it in business, you see it in our personal life, you know, and family, like, Oh, like, I'm just gonna, once I get there college, college, like we go to college to get there, to get something else, you know, and there's always this hope for this future. And, um, I, that, uh, think of the, the Christian message for so many years, you know, was based on, you know, uh, uh, fire insurance, basically like, you know, ask Jesus into your life because then you have the hope of eternity afterwards. You know, it's this far off reality that you're hoping for. That, that, that same kind along. of, can I say piss poor message, uh, has just changed into your best life now, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> not to call out Joel Osteen, but the, <laughs> I mean, that's the same sort of thing. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah. Get, give your heart to Jesus so that all these good things. Yeah. We were just talking about that on Sunday that, you know, a lot of the fairy tales. Um, the word you used was fluffy Jesus. I did. I talked about 
I, I don't like fluffy <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but nice. right, yeah. So in Colin, right? So the fairy tales used to be pretty grim, right? Um, uh, I see what you did there. That was good. Huh? <laughs> um, right. And, you know, thinking of like Hansel and Gretel, like don't eat too much sugar. Or the witch will get you. Like it was, it was designed to scare, well, not just get you, right. but eat you. But yeah, they're going <laughs> to eat you. Right. So it, it was, it was these like principles, but it was very fear driven. It was fairy tales were dark and morbid. And then, you know, we came around to, um, you know, I don't know if we want a brand recognized, but some guy named Disney. Yeah. And cleaned him up. And and it just and then they lived happily ever after. And, yeah. and we start to do that. Well, you know, oh, your life is a wreck. Well, if you accept Jesus, you can live happily ever after. And it's like, well, but my life is a wreck and I do have faith. So and my life is still a wreck. I'm not living happily ever after. I'm living with loss, with grief, with um challenges or addictions or this and like so does that. Does that somehow discount my faith because I'm I'm not there. I'm not living happily ever after. I don't have this hope of you know making x amount of money and having two cars and 3.5 kids and a white picket fence and a whatever our there is. Um so does it discount? Does it does it take away and and I think sometimes yeah, we have that fluffy Jesus of he just wants to give you a warm hug and take away all your tears and love you. Like, ew. Right. Like, I don't. <laughs> I, I got a mic drop for you, okay, here. Like, because hope is, it, it is powerful, you know, like, and I don't want to discount the the power of hope. It, you know, it can, it can get us to the next day, you know, at times. Um, and faith is essential for us. But I think I read somewhere about there's like a trio. There's faith and there's hope. And there's love. And it almost sounds biblical. Yeah. And out of those three, the greatest of these is love. Yeah. Mic drop. And so like I don't think we, we can, can drop Paul's <laughs> mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we can have like we can have hope, but then uh like it the the power is is love in the midst yeah. of in the midst of the chaos in the midst of the fairy tales that don't end well um you know that it's that that constant is that love and going back to those relationships that we have yeah you know, i was gonna say love is very it's a relational emotion like you can't like love in an isolated room right like love is right. yeah is is relational it, there's context to it so what a what big um, uh, hurts or needs do you see from uh, the youth that you serve and um, what kinds of things do you think the church should be doing or, or um, Christians should be doing to care for the needs of, of youth? Dude, that is a huge question. Massive. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you've got a nice, succinct answer planned. For yeah. yeah. Let me... You, yeah, I mean, we can do another episode later. <laughs> like, d- just, just uh, right. if if there are things that you're noticing. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, one of the big challenges right now, I think, in this politically world stage too, right? It's not just like, oh, what are kids in Portland facing? Because uh, internet, social media, right? We have a global awareness there's global messages constantly and and right now there is so much about being against stuff mm-hmm. right everybody is defined not by what you are for but you are defined by what you are against right mm-hmm. um and so so i think some kids are like wow i got to 
I have to figure out what I'm angry about. It's funny because that's always been a criticism of the church, but that's kind of like a societal thing nowadays. It's very, very global. Very, And, yeah. and so there's this, um, and it is creating some division and, and, and it's making it harder to work in some of the segments because real, like I am, I am white and I know it. Like I'm a white evangelical Christian male, mm-hmm. which right now, because there's so many people defining themselves by what they're against, there are some segments, even if we have the greatest resource for your kids, free opportunities to empower them. I'm limited on what I can do in some segments because of how we've defined what we're against. Mm. Um, and so, so I think the groups that are really encouraging and empowering be like, what are you for? What are you pursuing? What are your goals? Like, okay, you have some obstacles. Let's not completely victimize that, but let's talk more about how do you overcome that? Yeah. And I don't want to, I'm not at all a dismiss. I believe in, in systemic problems and traumas and trauma triggers. Like I, I like we have these conversations all the time, but mm-hmm. I don't want to stay there. I want to move to a point where we're having a conversation. How do you overcome that? Mm-hmm. Right. You are not, let's not become a stigma or a statistic. Like how do you overcome like, yes, you've been victimized. You've had hurts. You haven't had resources. People have put you in, but, but what can you do? What life do you want? How do we overcome that to reach something that, that creates some sort of meaning and, and value to a person? Um, so that's, I mean, that's my, my big thing, I, I would say, is that's that, great. Uh, that foreness. I've always appreciated that, like, um, positive, hope-filled message that you are you crank out a lot. Be an overcomer. I see you like every third day on, <laughs> on social media. You're you're always cranking that out. And I don't think it's a problem to focus necessarily on um, individual people in individual situations. Um, we we talked a lot in seminary about there's. Uh, societal sins and individual sins. There's societal problems and there's individual problems and you need to focus on both. You, right. And and so you're not like glossing over societal issues. You're, you're there, but there's also like needs and, and issues and um, things to address on an individual level. And we, we have to focus on those as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, my drive in the whole being overcomer, and this I mentioned maybe going back to my story, right? So I grew up, um, my mom was married three different times. Each guy was uh, an abusive alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So a lot of physical trauma, violence. Um, I mean, I remember, just thinking about this this morning, I'm in a flat, like cowering under my bed in fear of my stepdad who just like mm-hmm. broke in the back kitchen window to, to get at. And I don't even remember what, I don't, but, but those type of things, um, I started drinking kind of heavily when I was in the fourth grade. Like that's when I learned to tend bar and mix drinks for my parents' parties. Um, oh, you didn't just start drinking. Like you went all in in fourth grade. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, I was, uh, sixth grade was the first time I, I started using hard drugs. Um, and, uh, like depression issues that are associated with that. Um, 
And then I got arrested the summer between my eighth grade year and in my freshman year of high school, I got arrested and I had to go through this diversion program. Um, and, and church had been a part of my mom's childhood, but wasn't a part of our, mm. her adult life. So it wasn't, I, we always have, we were the, oh crap, oh God family. So when things got bad, my mom would be like, oh crap, we're going to church. <laughs> and, and we kind of knew, my mom knew enough that like, we looked like we belonged when we went, right? Mm, we knew how sure. to stand. We knew how to carry ourselves. Um, and we would go for, you know, three or four weeks and then like it would trailer off again and it wouldn't be a part of our, you know, until the next, oh crap moment. Um, and, and so after I got arrested, it was funny. My mom's like, you know, oh crap, I got arrested, diversion. So part of diversion is I had to obey all the rules of the home. And so I had a curfew, I had chores I had to do. And the other, and like, you're going to church, which wow. became a house rule. And so... Um, if I didn't, then I was breaking house rules. I was in violation of, of the diversion program. I bet you loved that rule, huh? And I, I Go to not, church? Yeah. <laughs> but the, the funny part, even in that, like my mom was like, you're going to church. It wasn't we're going to church. Yeah. Like, hey, let's go figure this out. Like, like you're going to church. This <laughs> hey, is going to help you. Hey, bad I don't kid. want it. I don't want it. But, but you but go you do this. Um, and I will, like, I, I love my mom and, and my stepdad. They both came to a point where they accepted Christ um, later on and this, this transformational um, part of their life and their story, which is huge. Um, but but for me, like, I mean, I, I was a messed up kid. I had a lot of anger issues. Um, and and so this idea that that all of these things didn't define me Right. Mm-hmm. And some of my siblings and I don't know if they'll ever like my siblings, they're a wreck still. And they just, oh, this is their fault. And there's this blaming part that they've never gotten around to working on themselves or taking ownership of their mm. own pieces in mm. it. Like they are still like and I was the youngest of four growing up in the house. Um, they they still like point to this this victimization mm. piece and and are living pretty messed up lives. Um, and they go through seasons where it's better and then it's not, and then it's this, but, um, you know, it doesn't define me. My losses don't define me. Um, I think being, and, and they're not glossed over. Like you mentioned that we're not glossing over our, our tragedies or our trauma. And I don't, but, but I still, I made choices in that. Like when I was anger and I did Mm -hmm. wrong, I did physical harm to other human beings. Like that was still a choice I made. Right. So I, I have to own that. Yeah. Were there things that led to that? Yes. Am yeah. I innocent? Because, oh, my dad beat me. So now I'm not at fault for doing physical harm to another human being. Well, that's crap. Right. Um, you know, and it, yes, it's a trigger. It's a piece. It's an influence. It, it was, you could even argue for, for programming, behavior programming. Um, but, there is this ability to overcome Mm -hmm. and, and it's not always easy. And sometimes we fall on our face, but, but man, if we can overcome, and that's where I think I just get excited about beautiful stories Mm. of individuals, right? You hear these, but, but man, we didn't stay there. And I, I do, you know, being a Christian, I still, you know, we work across the board. And so sometimes we get to just teach life skills and sometimes we get to teach life skills and spiritual growth. Um, I still believe that, your greatest source of being able to overcome whatever your story is and the tragedy is, is Jesus Christ. Um, I don't always get to share Jesus Christ with kids and I'm like, that's fine. Like, cause like, ah, oh, we like you, we like what you're doing, but I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. Like, that's fine. 
like that's we're still going to be here we're in your world we're going to help you like we're but but for me when i came to christ it was it was huge and i instantly knew like man there's so many other kids like me and i'm experiencing this hope this forgiveness like i want to be a part of bringing that to other kids who are hurting just as bad as i was um so yeah. that that overcoming piece it's a huge driving piece it's an identity piece i think so it does come out a lot and i'm always championing those stories yeah it's awesome um, and i don't want to like don't do this or do this like here's just the story about overcoming yeah and i think that can stories are more powerful anyway man like uh, people learn more from stories than uh you know you coming in with finger pointing rules that that doesn't connect quite as much uh one thing i uh, a story i heard once that um I think is interesting when you talk about that because um, I think I think helping individual problems can also sometimes affect systemic problems, uh, and some of the work you do I think helps with that. There, there was a story of some leaders, some church leaders who um, had been trying to work with, uh, you know, youth and help with some of the problems in the community because there were. Uh, a lot of break-ins happening, a lot of, um, you know, people beating up other people, like like problems in which kids were getting arrested. And they were like, what do we do here? Well, it turned out most of those things were happening between the hours of three and six. And they were like, there are, mm. there's, there's uh, fault and sin with the people who are doing the things. Yes. You beat up a guy and you got arrested for it. You shouldn't have beat up a guy. That's true. But there are tons of kids who don't have anywhere to be because school gets out of three and parents don't come home till after six. And they're just there. There's not like any kind of stability. And so they're they're just out doing stuff. Not that they can't make their own decisions in that in that moment, but this church was like, what if we had some kind of after-school thing and didn't clean up the problem, but did a giant chunk in it? So yeah. I think sometimes when you focus on the individual, you can also affect the uh, systemic problems. And I think... Um, so, so yeah. I think I think they very much go hand in I think hand. In a that lot of too, times. like you know, you're talking about the church doing what they can. Like we have to be content. Like I always have this enoughness issue. Like, are we doing enough? Well, right. we got to do more. And it's to say like your complex. Yeah, and Everyone. it goes it goes back to that. But it's like, well, here are the resources I have, and so here's yeah. what I can do, and I'm going to do that faithfully. Yeah. We're going to open up our church, and they can play basketball after. Like, well, are we doing enough? And it's like we're, but we're doing what we can. Right. And I think. I think sometimes, and I'm going to push, like, this is on people, like, sometimes that idea that we can't fix the problem, we use it as, a, as an excuse to do nothing. Why well, I, I can't yeah. fix all of that. And, and I think actually, you know, your story, it actually came out of an increase in teenage pregnancy. And they were looking at when kids were most often having, you know, through interviews, because uh, it used to be like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. the teenagers sneak out at night. Like, well, that wasn't the issue anymore. It was middle school kids who were left on their own and from after school until, and and that was, was the time. And, you know, back, like it was all, oh, only bad things happen at dark. So be home by 10, right? Like, well, no, like 
This is the most unsupervised time, and it's it's daylight, people. That's true. Um, you're you're not you're not less horny at three than you are at ten. Do people say horny anymore? I don't know. <laughs> but, and and those are hours, not ages, right? Less three oh p.m. Dude, 10. all right. I just wanted was, to make sure we're talking was, time. It was not... only sort of awkward. <laughs> yes, no, I'm times. good at pushing things over the awkward barrier. That's, three o'clock, that's ten o'clock. Yes, um, but. But yeah, we do. We definitely use not being able to f- solve a problem entirely as an excuse to do nothing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and I hate that. I I'm a firm believer in and if you've read any of my stuff, hear me speak. Like, I I believe everybody has a gift. Um, sometimes we don't know what that is or or how to use it. And I actually um, I actually think I was at your church like two years ago speaking, David and. We we're talking about the idea of doing something. And one of the guys yep. came up to me and he's like, man, I just, I love to go fishing. Yep. And I have like three or four extra fishing rods. Like, do, do you think I could just like, maybe I should take a, a kid fishing every once in a while? He did it. And I'm like, brilliant, yeah. right? Like it doesn't have to be rocket yeah. science, right? I like to fish. And sometimes we also think, well, it has to be sacrificial. I have to go to Africa and feed hungry kids. Like, no, I like to fish. I'm just going to take some teenagers fishing right. and, and just speak into their life and encourage them from time to time. Like that's brilliant. Yeah. Like let's get thousands of people who you have a gift or a passion. Maybe you like to crochet which is weird because a lot of young adult ladies are crocheting now. I don't know how, like it used to be a grandma thing and now it's like the, the cool thing, at least oh, in it's Portland. it's extremely, uh, it's everywhere. Are you saying you crochet, David? I don't. Uh, my wife does though. All right, tons, all right, good. Tons and tons uh, and tons. But, you know, so whatever it is, crocheting, fishing, uh, writing poetry, going on hikes, whatever it is, like you probably are already doing something you're passionate about. Is there a way that you could just include somebody else in it? Yeah. And and that would change the world, I think. Mm. Mm. Good word. But sometimes we all, we all like, oh, it has to be harder. Like we, it has to be this this total package. We've got to take a, a cause mm-hmm. to Congress, and and you know, like like maybe yeah. sometimes it's just inviting that one kid on a fishing trip. Right. Great. If you want to do that too, that's fine. But you're already at home. I play a lot of board games, so I I just went there. But you're already playing one bring in someone else, right? you know, like it's, you. and maybe you really <laughs> have an addiction to the dollar ice cream cone at McDonald's. Yeah. Well, how, like, could you afford $2 and take somebody else? Like a kid from the neighborhood, maybe your grandson or a nephew, like, you know, like, Oh, my sister's kids. Like man, go to McDonald's once a week and eat an ice cream cone with them. Hmm. Have a conversation, be present in their life. Maybe it's that simple. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's more expensive for some of the youth at our church because they're really into Panda Express. Like, that's it's like seven ninety five a plate. Wait, man. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's be a budget. Like this is this <laughs> is what I have to offer. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll and, do it. But in reality, yeah. panhandling's a thing. If you need two dollars, just put a sign out, sit on the corner, mm. like I need two dollars so I can take a youth to ice cream. <laughs> like you will get it. Don't let the money stop you. Like figure it out. <laughs> It's true. It's true, yeah. All our listeners are going to be <laughs> panhandling this week. Hashtag take a youth for ice cream. Yeah. That's a really long hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do better with our social media stuff. <laughs> hmm.
our 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 hashtag. We're we're old people talking about. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think too. Like in this this piece that we're talking about, like one of the hard parts, like so for nonprofits or organizations, like in order to get funding and and more programs going, like we have to have these metrics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we report that? Like, like, do we even know? Like, we just said that somebody hears this and now they actually go and do this. Do we like, please report to unsuccess podcast right. so we can measure how many people actually took yeah. a teenager out for ice cream. Right. Like, how do we? And so, so when we, as organizations, like we empower people to make a difference, but if, if it's not trackable, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. If we, we can't put it in our annual report to our, our stockholders or or board or, or how do we... And then when you have to get new donors, you're like, we had between 80 and 10,000 people uh, who gave their life to Christ. We know about 80. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like Well, that's where people talk to and all the time. And I, <laughs> Josh and I have had this conversation a few times in my organization. is a little frustrated. Like, so what are you doing? Like, man, we are doing good stuff in North Portland. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, what does that look like? Yeah. Exactly. Like, can you like <laughs> but can I go to a donor like, hey, we I need you to write a hundred dollar check once a month and invest in our ministry because we are doing good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are reaching 180 kids on a weekly like no, nah, we're just we're just doing good stuff. We're encouraging good stuff. Especially in a collaborative level, because I'm helping, you know, all one and we're helping Roosevelt High right. School and Parks and so and then they, they have, so are their numbers our numbers if it's not like under a YD flag or banner and we're just empowering other people? Like, how do we? Yeah. And I really wish I could just like, look, we do good stuff. If you want, like, just come to North Portland and check it out. And so year, yeah. Years ago, like I, I thought just uh, church growth stuff gets me going. Um, one of my, my hot buttons or hot messes or what's the word that we use? Oh, well, a hot take. The hot take. I had, I had the hottest of hot takes last episode. Yeah. Where I, um, I, I decided that... Don't tell Steven. Gresham and Beaverton and Tigard and, uh, and West Lynn and Lake Oswego. All Portland. Nope. It's all Portland. <laughs> Every, everything. Everything Portland Metro is Portland. Everything outside of Portland is Portland. What about across? The, is the Couve included in that? I don't know oh, what that is. Vancouver. Vancouver. Oh, the Couve. Yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, let, I've, I've made some, I've made and some people mad. Don't, don't because, cross the river. Because, because <laughs> you ain't I've, from here if you cross for, the river. For, for years now, I've made people mad because <laughs> I have, and this is real, called Vancouver Portland 2 because, <laughs> because you cross the river out of, like, there is city. You cross the river and there is immediately city. It's it's still Portland. There's just a... No, and this is where, like, so even, like, with the Willamette, like, people are like, oh, what part of Portland are you from? You ain't from my Portland. If you live on the other side of the river for either side, you ain't from our Portland. Yeah, there's no our Portland. <laughs> Unity. David, I think, is just, David, are you from the wrong side of the river? I, there's no wrong side of the river. <laughs> David because is Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> no line in the sand, man. David is inclusive. Anyway, man. what was your hot take? Yeah. So church growth. <laughs> um, Squirrel. <laughs> and, and again, like we focus on our stuff um, in our own programs and growing our programs. And I'm like, if we are making a difference, if we're having an impact. 
um, from a church growth standpoint, then every church in our zip code is going to increase. Like, you know, every church is going to be impacted. Um, and so look at, look at holistic figures rather than, you know, our own kind of numbers and the own impact. And then it's generational as well, you know, so you impacted that girl and how many years later she came back to you, you know, and like, how many people, how many of your leaders had left and moved on to some other ministry at that point, you know? And, right, taking their um, training experience. Yeah. Right. So, it, yeah. Yeah, it is It is hard. I, I just, a story popped into my head, so I'm going to tell it. Because the idea of, like, how do you measure, you know, um, the good stuff you do? And um, so I work, you know, with my organization, Youth Dynamics, and we... Uh, also part of St. John's Wesleyan Church, where that does a B-Town Kids, which is actually part of Because People Matter. Um, and It's very confusing. And <laughs> right, and I put I put a significant amount of time and energy into that. Yeah. And um, so it's kind of hard. Like, can we justify my time through ideas, saying this is part of our ministry to this community um, and, and wrestle with that? But I think it was like two years ago, Josh was out there and, and the director of BPM was there with some new board, don't like something. And, and you made a comment. These are like things that keep me going. It's like, Hey, we're doing good stuff. And you looked at, at Marshall and you were just like, I couldn't even imagine doing life or ministry in Portland without Steven right now. Mm. And like, for me, like I, you know, so this may be one of those things, Josh, you don't <laughs> even realize I said that. That was good. And I'm sitting here like, like that's huge. Because I agree in this collaborative, and I love being yeah. in the midst of it with you guys in different projects. But again, like how how do I measure that? How do I justify that to my supervisors or my donors or or you know like it's it just gets hard. And I wish we were able to reach like well, you don't care. Yeah, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter as long as we're doing good stuff. Right. And the hard part on that too, like I'll, I'll counter because we argue like I'm going to argue with myself here is like. Like we do need some sort of metric. Like, are we being effective? Are we wasting time? Are we wasting resources? Are we? Right. And I think there needs to be some sort of, I don't know, accountability evaluation. Um, you know, I, I I want I want to honor our donors. Right, they're they're investing in the cause of youth in North Portland, and I want to honor that. But if it means that I come alongside another ministry and it's still reaching kids and, and it's under a yeah. different flag yeah. and that flag is succeeding. Right. Yeah. But you didn't do it specifically. You just were a piece of it. Right. How do you, how do you pitch that? Yeah. It's, Everybody was wearing the wrong t-shirt, right? They weren't all in YD t-shirts. They were in, you know, B-Town t-shirts or. Yeah. Um, and, and there's just this level like. I just don't care. Right. It's um, it's it's a tough thing, and we've been fighting about this, uh, you know, live up for, you know, months now because effectiveness is good, and and tracking things can be good and necessary. Jay used to talk about his um, uh, pro, the Jay Brabant he, when he was on, he talked about how he used to look down on what he called lazy pastors. And yeah. there's there's an element to if if someone's just not doing stuff, right. you you want to be able to know that this is all good and necessary and true stuff. Um, at the same time, like metrics aren't always what we're about. And sometimes 
when you see what God's doing, you can't always put it into words, but you see it and you know it and it's not able to be put on a metric. You're just like, God is doing more with me here helping so-and-so for both our organization and outside, but you you can't convince other people on paper of what that is. Right. It's just something you see and feel and experience and know. When I think sometimes, like, especially as organizations exist, like I think, I think some we're just we have the wrong metrics, mm. or we have metrics that were really effective, you know, in the '70s, and we just haven't changed how we evaluate things. And so, you know, even being a youth ministry, like okay, how many kids came on a trip, how many kids heard the gospel and responded, whatnot, and, and we're really like outreach orientated. And so, one of the metrics I try to track actually is what I call contact work. And it just means and how many times have I been out present in the community, whether it's at the school, an apartment cluster, and I am making contact with young people who are not a part of our program or anything. Like that to me, like that's like true outreach, not just like, well, I had contact time and I went and had, you know, an ice cream cone with six kids who are in our program. Not even kids in the pro, like you're just out in the community trying to initiate mm-hmm. some sort of relationship or present. Like that number to me, like I, mm. that's the one that drives me. Mm. Like I want to, like, how often are you out there? How often are you putting yourself in the community? Because um, I don't, I also don't think I can plant a flag and say, here's YD, come to us. And right. like, well, that's not outreach, really. It's I mean, not outreach. It might be a good program, but, but unless we're going to them, um, I don't think it's outreach. It's, and it's also a pretty dated form of ministry anyway. Like the come to us model, if no, you want to call it, it that. It doesn't. It and they will come. It's, I saw the movie. It's Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> when was that movie made? Oh, wow. 90s, 80s. right? 80s, 90s? That's when the that's, that's that's when that model of church was big. Make mm. Field of Dreams now. It would be go out <laughs> go mm. in to them and no, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I don't know. We we may have to flesh that out a little bit. What would a, a Field of Dreams <laughs> remake I mean, yeah. 2018 actually look like? Yeah. Steven, you've Build got it. They some won't like come to you. Kevin Costner features. I, right. I think you could pull it off. We could sure. follow it with like an underwater or water world segment. That was a huge bomb, wasn't it? I think That's so. I remember liking it way back in the day. It probably doesn't age well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I watched it one time, like right when it came out, and I was... Uh, Younger and kind of liked everything. I still kind of like everything. <laughs> Actually, as I've been aging and getting a little bit more gray, I think I'm looking a little bit more like Lee Majors from like the Fall Guy than than Kevin Costner. Dude, yeah, just... probably. I think, but I mean, Costner is getting aged and gray too. So yeah. well, we just all aged neither together. of them are bad looking dudes. I just so. think the, the wrinkly, the scowl, like the perma scowl on my face, which you all can see right now. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. See you on this podcast. Oh. Well, guys, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. So I yeah. Well, think this it's was a good time to end. This was fun. Thanks for coming on, Stephen. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You are like this is our 20th episode. I is believe. it really? Whoa. Yeah. So Neat. congratulations on being number 20. Yeah. Excellent. Do I yeah. win? Do I win something? Absolutely um, not. Yeah, you get to buy me lunch. <laughs> <laughs> I th- All right. I've been invited to. <laughs> <laughs> a new opportunity. <laughs> that's the best. That's the best spin. I love it. 
Um, well, for the Unsuccess Podcast, I am David. And I am Josh. Bye. And we will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>